Well, good morning, everyone. I invite you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. We're going to be in Matthew 28, finishing up our sermon series on living on mission. This summer, we have heard from several, all of our pastors and from our campus outreach director, Cam Colquitt, on this topic of what it means to live on mission where God has placed us, how life and mission connect. We come to the end of our sermon series with maybe the most famous of missionary texts, the Great Commission. And we come asking this question. What right do we have to tell people what they are to believe and how they are to live their lives? This is the inevitable question that we will have to face if we go out into this world on mission. As we go into our neighborhoods, as we meet with folks in the park, as we talk with fellow students in the hallway, as we talk with co-workers around the water cooler, as it were, as we engage with friends and family over meals, and we tell them that they must repent of their sin and they must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They will believe that you are being presumptuous. And your assertion that you know what it is that they are to believe and how they are to obey. That might be good for you, but what right do you have to tell me what is right for my life? Many of you, I know, have heard and maybe even listened to the Joe Rogan podcast. It is the most watched or listened to media in America today. Each episode reaches 11 million viewers on average and is having a massive effect on the way our country thinks. And while I have only heard a few of his interviews, one thing becomes very clear about his underlying message, no matter who he is interviewing. No one has the right to tell anyone else what they are to believe or how they are to obey. It is an extreme form of moral libertarianism that has obviously found a large audience. And I think it's because it is reflective of the broader cultural view. As long as you are not hurting anyone else, you should be able to do what you want without anyone pushing their morality or religious beliefs upon you. If you're a Christian, that's fine. But don't tell other people that they must believe what you believe. If I want to live an alternate lifestyle, if I want to do drugs, if I want to consume pornography, if I want to continually use profanity, what is it to you? And this live and let live mentality is pervasive in our culture. What right do you have to tell anyone what they are allowed to do in the privacy of their own home? What right do you have to tell someone that they must believe something or face eternal punishment? It's an important question that we must have firmly settled in our hearts and our minds if we are going to live on mission. 
If you're going to obey the Lord Jesus' commission to go into all the world, making disciples, teaching them to obey all that He has commanded, then you must be convicted that you not only have the right, but also the responsibility to preach what Christ has taught us. The prevailing wisdom and ethic of our day has cut the legs out from the whole missionary endeavor. Before we have even gotten started, the world has told us that we have no right to go to the nations and proclaim the message of Christ because that's religious colonialism. We have no right to go into the schools and teach God's word because that would be a violation of the separation of church and state. We have no right to go to the park and share the gospel with people that we meet because that is the height of presumption. And so we stay in our homes And we keep our mouths shut because we are told we have no right. And in some ways, they're correct. If we're going out to proclaim a message of our own making, then that is wrong. If we're proclaiming a message rooted in human wisdom and understanding, preaching an outdated morality that's rooted in old cultural norms, then we don't have any authority. But what we see in our passage for this morning is that we have every right and responsibility to go to the world and proclaim to them a message that they are to believe And to obey. Because our message is not our own. We speak as ones who have been sent. We go as ambassadors on behalf of another. One who has all authority. One who has every right. And therefore we go out on mission with the boldness. And the confidence of one who has authority. Because we go out in the universal authority of Christ. So here now, the word of the Lord, the gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, beginning in verse 16. Now, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is God's holy word for us as people. Let us pray. O blessed God, who has caused all Holy Scripture to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wisdom hear and read, learn and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of Your Holy Word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given to us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we do pray. Amen. It's an interesting statement that Jesus 
makes when he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In particular, that word given raises many questions. Who gave Jesus this authority? If Jesus is divine, didn't he already have all authority? And if he didn't already have all authority, why is it that it was given to him at this point? I think the first question is the easiest to answer. Who gave Jesus all authority? Well, the only one who has all authority to begin with, God the Father. For God alone has all authority over heaven and earth, as we read in the book of Daniel. For God's dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom endures from generation to generation. He does according to His will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay His hand or say to Him, What have you done? You see, the Lord God answers to no one. He is God. And by nature of Him being God, there is no one that He has to submit to. He is the Creator. And just as the potter has a right to do with what he wants with the clay, so too does God have a right to do with us as He sees fit. No one has a right to challenge what He does or what He says. And what we see in Matthew 28 is that he sees fit to give all authority to Jesus Christ. And therefore, his dominion and his kingdom endures forever. And no one has the right to stay his hand or question what the Lord Jesus does. But didn't Jesus already have all authority? If Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, didn't He already possess this right and power from eternity past? And of course, the answer is yes. God the Son has the same eternal and unlimited authority as God the Father. However, when God the Son took on flesh, He took on all the weakness and vulnerability of a true human being. And he was given a task to accomplish as a human being. And now the astonishing proclamation that is being made in the word of God is that all authority rooted in God's divine nature has been handed over to a human being. That is what is so astonishing about Jesus' declaration. That even now, the human being, Jesus Christ, is exercising authority over heaven and over earth. And according to His divine nature, Christ always had that authority. But now, according to His human nature, He has all authority. And the man, Jesus Christ, sits at the right hand of God the Father, exercising his authority, bringing all things into submission to himself. So why now? Why not give Jesus authority earlier? And the answer is that Jesus had to accomplish a work and he had an enemy to defeat. He's called upon to offer his life as a ransom. To pay the penalty for sin. He's called upon to take on the enemies of sin and Satan and death. And he had to defeat them before he was given all authority. 
And now in Matthew 28, the resurrected Jesus has accomplished these tasks. He has won the victory. He has defeated all his and our enemies. And by reason of his indestructible life and by reason of his obedience unto death and by reason of his resurrection from the dead, now Jesus Christ has been coronated King of Kings and Lord of Lords and he has been given all authority. Even as we read in the Gospel of John, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. And this is the reason why we live on mission, because Christ has all authority and we submit to the will of Jesus. And King Jesus says to us, his people, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. We go into the neighborhood. We go into the workplace. We go into the marketplace. We go into our homes. We go into the cities. We go into the states. We go into the nations. And we proclaim the message of the gospel. Forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. There are authorities in each of these places. And they have the right to exercise their civil authority. They can levy taxes, they can raise armies, they can pass laws and they can enforce these laws. But they have no authority over the gospel mission. They have no authority over the way that Jesus' disciples worship. They have no authority over what the disciples of Christ teach. For we come under the authority of the one who has all authority. And he has said to us, go into all nations and make disciples. And therefore we go submitting to his authority alone. Early on in their mission, Christ's disciples ran into a bit of a problem. The earthly authorities said to Peter and John, you need to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. You need to stop doing what Jesus has told you to do. And they responded with this question. Is it better to obey the voice of God or the voice of man? Who has authority on such matters? Is it man or is it God? For there is only one name under heaven whereby we must be saved and it is the name of Jesus Christ. You see, Christ's authority means that we have to obey His command to live on mission. But the next thing that we see is that Christ's authority gives us boldness to live on mission. Why do we go even when the world says stay? Even when the world threatens us to stay? Because we're given boldness by the one who says go. James the Lesser was an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was a witness to the resurrection and he received the commission to preach the gospel directly from Jesus Christ here in Matthew 28. Church history tells us of the latter part of James's life, that he ministered in the city of Jerusalem for 30 years, and that through his preaching ministry, many thousands came to faith in Christ. But the religious authorities of his day 
became threatened by the growth of the church. And in 63 A.D., about 30 years after Christ had given him this commission, James was arrested and taken to the top of the temple in Jerusalem with the intent of forcing a retraction of his message. There he stood on the edge of the roof of the temple and the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious authorities of his day, threatening that if he did not deny Jesus, that he would be pushed off the edge of the temple. And the crowds below were looking on to see what would happen. And there James, facing death, boldly proclaimed, Jesus is the Messiah. He is sitting at the right hand of God and He shall come again in the clouds of heaven to judge the quick and the dead. He has all authority. And it is said that when the crowd saw His boldness, they worshipped the name of Jesus Christ. Enraged, the religious leaders rushed forward and they pushed James off the temple roof. Miraculously, he didn't die. And so continued in their rage, they stoned him. And finally, as he prayed for their forgiveness, he was struck in the head and James was killed for the message that he proclaimed. And the question that we have to ask as we're confronted with these stories, this history of those who are martyred for proclaiming their faith is how did they receive such boldness to preach the gospel despite what everyone else was telling them to do, which was stop. When every earthly authority was saying, be quiet. We know that James wasn't always so bold. Because when the authorities came to arrest Jesus, he ran with the rest of the disciples. But once Jesus rose from the dead, once he sent his spirit upon the church, once he commissioned them to make disciples of all nations, James and the rest of Christ's apostles were filled with boldness to obey Christ over every other authority. And we too must be filled with such boldness to obey Christ. To live on mission means that we're going to have to cross boundaries. It means we're going to have to go where the gospel, from where the gospel is believed to where it is not believed and proclaim the message of repentance and forgiveness of sins in the name of Christ Jesus only. And sometimes that means crossing a physical boundary. To go to nations that do not know the gospel. And sometimes it means crossing relational boundaries. Being willing to break the rules of polite society that say you have no right to tell people what they are to believe. You'll have to have the boldness to cross the street and speak to your neighbor. You'll have to have the boldness to go to the park and strike up conversations that lead to sharing the gospel. You'll have to have the boldness to raise eternal questions when your dinner guests just want to talk about sports and the weather. Most likely, sharing the gospel in Lynchburg, Virginia is not going to lead to physical abuse or martyrdom. But it is going to ruffle feathers. It may raise concerns from the city. It may mean pushing or crossing boundaries that could get us in tr trouble with civil authorities. But the gospel is never going to advance if we never have the boldness to go where people tell us we have no authority to go. 
If we never have the boldness to exert the spiritual authority that we have been given in Christ. If we are too concerned for our safety, then the light of the gospel will not shine forth from this church. One persecuted Christian from Southeast Asia put it well when he said, Suffering is not the worst thing that can happen to us as Christians. Disobedience to God is the worst thing. Or as Jesus said, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. The great revivalist preacher John Wesley put it this way. Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God and I care not a straw whether they are clergymen or laymen. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. To live on mission, we must have the boldness to obey Christ's authority above all earthly authorities and go. Because Christ's authority gives us the right to go. Christ's authority gives us the boldness to go. And the final thing I want us to see is that Christ's authority gives us the confidence to go and to live on mission. That is to say, because Christ has all authority, we can know for certain that His purposes will be accomplished. Often, people are not sure what to do with the name of our church. Particularly what it means that we are an evangelical Presbyterian church. If you didn't know, the name of our church is Rivermont Evangelical Presbyterian Church. I've spoken to people and they've asked me, how do these two things go together, right? How can you be both evangelical and Presbyterian? Why do they ask this question? Well, as Presbyterians, we believe, whether you know it or not, (laughs) we believe in God's sovereignty over all things, including salvation. That is to say, we believe in predestination and election. We believe that those whom God has chosen from before the foundation of the earth will be those who are ultimately saved. We believe that Jesus died to save a particular people, his sheep, and that his blood did not merely purchase the possibility of salvation, but that his blood bought a specific and definite people. Sometimes it is called the doctrines of grace, reformed theology, Calvinism, Presbyterianism, whatever you call it, that's what we believe. And yet we are also evangelical. We believe that we are called to proclaim the gospel to all people, calling them to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. We believe that only those who place their faith in Jesus Christ will be saved. You must be born again. We believe that if men and women and children are going to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that we must go forward and proclaim the gospel according to Christ's command. And people look at these two beliefs and they say silly things like, 
Why do you share the gospel if God's already ordained someone's salvation? Or if you believe in predestination, what motive do you have to share the gospel? If they're chosen, they're going to be saved. So why are you doing anything? To answer such questions, we need only go as far as Matthew 28. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus reigns. He is sovereign. He is in control of all things. There's nothing that falls out of his realm of authority and power, even salvation, especially salvation. The very reason that Jesus was given all authority from the father is for the salvation of his elect people. Listen to Jesus's prayer in John 17. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh. Why did the father give Jesus authority over all flesh? Why has all authority been given to him? To give eternal life to all whom you have given me. The Father has given the Son all authority that the Son might save the people that He had given to Him. Now does Jesus say in response, all authority has been given to me, so sit back and watch? Don't worry about the lost. Sit back with smug assurance that whatever will be, will be? No. Never. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go and preach the gospel. Go and proclaim the good news with the absolute confidence that your mission will succeed. For the salvation of the world will not be accomplished through our efforts or through our talents, but rather the world will be saved through the all-powerful eternal God working out His good purposes through His people. When God told His people that He would win the battle for them, it didn't make the soldiers of Israel less willing to fight, but more. God goes before us so we can't lose. No matter the foe or the force that stands in our way, God is going before us, therefore we have the victory. And the same is true for Christ's disciples commissioned to share the gospel. We go out knowing that the outcome is certain. Jesus has lost sheep in our neighborhood. He has elect people in our schools and our workplaces. His people are on our sports teams and in our parks. And we have been commissioned to go out and find them by proclaiming the gospel to all people, confidently trusting that Christ is accomplishing His purposes through us. You see, Christ's authority makes us confident because we know that our mission cannot fail. Therefore, we go with confidence of a reformed Presbyterian. And we go with the boldness of an evangelical. We can't lose because Christ has already won. This past year, the session of our church, along with a committee that we call the Vision Committee, have been seeking the Lord's direction for the future of Rivermont. How we might live in obedience to our sovereign, all-authoritative Lord. 
And as we prayed and sought God's will in His Word, we knew that we must be about worship. We need to be a people who faithfully worship the Lord. Even as the disciples gathered around Christ and worshipped Him, we too need to worship Christ. And while we can always grow in the depth and the faithfulness of our worship, we continue to affirm that our liturgy is reflective of God's Word and is rooted in our Reformed heritage. We also knew that we needed to be about discipleship. We needed to teach our covenant family the whole counsel of God's Word. And again, we saw our discipleship ministry as a strength of what we do here at Rivermont. Of course we can always grow, but we have a rich history of teaching God's Word in Sunday worship and in Sunday school. And we want to continue that and grow into that. And finally, we saw that we need to be about mission. We need to go. And while we have a great heritage of supporting foreign missions, which we continue to do and will continue to do, we saw that we needed to refocus on what it means to reach our neighbors. That is to say, we have been faithful in reaching the ends of the earth, but we needed some work in reaching Jerusalem and Samaria. And in the midst of a committee meeting of all places, the Lord's will for our church became clear. And the call was to go to our neighbors, not merely to facilitate other people going to other places, rather to work to see as many members of Rivermont Evangelical Presbyterian Church as possible engage in local mission. In meeting and in serving, in playing and helping, in blessing and eating food together, in music and in art, in whatever way the Lord would move us out, that as many of us that are here in these pews would go out into our neighborhoods proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, building gospel relationships, invading every territory, crossing every boundary in obedience to Christ, so that we might bring the message of salvation that we alone have have and we alone have the authority to bring as Christ's disciples because there's only one name under heaven whereby we might be saved and if we don't go out and proclaim it to the world the world will never hear the name of Christ what right do you have to invade this neighborhood well we have no right on our own But Christ has every right. He has all rights. He has all authority. And He has commissioned you to go. To go in obedience to His command. To go in boldness no matter the opposition. And to go in confidence that the victory has surely been won. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we come to you now. And we come as those who are weak and humble. And we come as those who desire to obey Christ. Would you give to us such boldness and confidence that by the power of your spirit, the gospel might go forth from this place into our neighborhood, to our city, our state, our nation, and to the very ends of the earth, 
that all might see Christ in His glory and know forgiveness of sins and that Your kingdom may come. We pray it in Your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen.